0: Uh, Paul doesn't ever describe Israel as being replaced. He doesn't say, "You see, guys, this is this is where you come in." And Israel's been completely re- replaced, and they've been uh, rejected, and it's total, it's final. They're they're done with. That's not it at all. He's making a a very contrary argument here, and what he's saying. Paul said there is a remnant in verse five. There is a remnant. But through their fall, God provoked them to jealousy by the salvation of the Gentiles. Israel hated the Gentiles; they hated them, right? They they uh, Gentiles is anybody here who is not Jewish, <laughs> right? Because so uh, when when we understand that they would be provoked to jealousy, like, wait a minute, we're the chosen people; they're not the chosen people. And then because of their rejection of Jesus Christ, God's saying, okay, you guys can go along that way. I'm going to go to people that will accept me. And I'm going to go do that work. And he sent Paul out to be the apostle of the Gentiles, right? Israel's not done. It's not final. But that provoked them to jealousy. They were getting offended by it, right? And they were getting so offended, even people within the church were getting offended by it. The the Jews that had converted to Christianity, that that there was starting to become this great division until Acts chapter 15 when uh, the... the, um, Jerusalem council and they had to come in and say okay what's going on here and okay so if God has come to the Gentiles what do they need to do do they need to carry out the law or what do they need to do and they said wait a minute we couldn't even take care like we couldn't bear the 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 burden of the law you know we're not going to give them what we couldn't ourselves bear we're not going to do that we're going to give them some instruction don't eat things offered to idols and keep yourself sexually pure go forward you know don't don't get involved in idolatry and and uh sexual uh uh, idolatry. I, mean, I guess you could just call it that. Perversion, whatever it is. You know, keep uh, any of that to be, uh, you know, in its biblical context. You know, don't go around. You know, uh, that is reserved for inside a a marriage between a man and a woman. Verse 12. Now, if their fall is riches to this world. Uh, for the world and their failure, riches for the Gentiles. How much more their fill, their fullness? You know, Paul points out that you know God powerfully used their fall for His glory to save many lost, and how much more will happen uh, when they're restored in their fullness. He's like, okay, if they're rejected and people are coming, wait to see what happens when they accept the Lord and how that that uh, how that affects the world. If their fall benefits those who weren't chosen by God, how much more their fullness. Verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles, non-Jews, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. So he's like, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. You know that I'm the one, apostle means sent one. You know that I'm the one that was sent to you Gentiles to preach this gospel. Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry Uh, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. So Paul once again identifies himself as an apostle. He's a sent one to the Gentiles, and he's using his calling to provoke the Jews to jealousy with the ultimate goal that some might come to salvation. He's saying, if I can provoke them to jealousy, and they get to a point like, wait a minute, what am I missing here? That's what Paul is saying, that if I'm ministering to you and the Jews get upset about it, now I can have a conversation with them and say, guys, we missed the, we missed the Messiah. We missed the, that, that Christ that we were looking for, the Savior we were looking for. All these scriptures, and he can reason with them as he did, right, in the scriptures and say, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, and it was fulfilled. And this one too, and this one too, and this one too. He's, he's, he's hoping that the Gentiles coming to faith will provoke them to jealousy, that those who are of his own flesh, Israel, will listen to what he has to say, because up until then they had been rejecting what he had to say, for the most part, most of them. Verse 15, For if their casting away is the reconciling of the world, uh, what will their acceptance be uh, from uh, but life from the dead? So in Israel's temporary rejection, God called the entire Gentile world uh, to salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, God likes to bring something from nothing. You know, read through the scripture and see how many times something is just stripped right down bare. There's nothing left there. And God's like, now I can use it. Now I can take these things, right? I can, I can use this. Consider Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel goes and looks at dry bones. And that's a prophecy about the restoration of Israel, Right? He says, speak to the bones, right? And then the bones come alive, and and flesh is added to it. God loves to take something that's completely broken, completely unusable, and then make it something that would glorify Him. Because then we learn, right? Then we can look and go, wait a minute, that was in complete disarray. God put it in order. That's a lesson for me, and I can share that lesson for the world. Guys, you know, anybody's life that's in complete disarray, anybody's life, like, oh, it's an, it, there's no way because there's the lie that I need to get right and I need to have my life in order, then I can come to God. That's a lie. That's not what the Scriptures say. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not, hey, i got to get to the point of rest and I've got to the, get to the point of perfection. Never get there, right? And then I can come to Jesus and be like, look how awesome I am. You're glad to have me, aren't you? No, it's not that at all. It's I'm totally broken, God. Can you save me? And he says, absolutely. I've been waiting for you to get to that point. Took you long enough, right? God loves to do that. So w- when this is saying, if they're casting away uh, is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? God loves to bring something from nothing. Watch what he does when he brings them back. It's going to be even more powerful. When they finally look at their Savior and recognize him as their Savior, what that will do. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So the first fruit, right? So will the rest be? This is indicative of a good root, which produces good branches and good fruit. So we're going to get into uh, more of this right now. Verse 17, and if... Some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So here, here that pointed instruction gets a lot more pointed. And saying, "Hey, you know, don't start getting, you know, big-headed about this. Don't get all haughty and getting getting conceited, thinking that that you know you're you're now better than than Israel. You know, because of uh, Israel's broken and and uh, sorry, contrary and disobedient hearts that we read about in Romans 10, uh, God uh, temporarily broke them off. Temporarily." Okay, because that's what's being said here, and as we get through, we're going to see uh, that it's it's not uh, it's not permanent. Temporarily broken them off that root, Israel. Uh, some of them, uh, when the branches come out, some of them broken off, but there's still a remnant, right? Verse seventeen: You being a wild olive tree, you're not properly tended and developed like one that's been cultivated and cared. You're the wild tree. You didn't belong here. Uh, you're not of the origi- original uh, tree, but you were grafted in. You know Now a partaker of the root, and the fatness of the olive tree. You can enjoy the good nourishment of God's grace, mercy, his word, uh, the good fruit that, that comes as a result of God's riches, of his, of his grace. And he, and there's the warning there. Don't boast against the branches. Remember that you don't support the root. But the root supports you. God grafted you into that root, into what he was doing, into that tree. You weren't weren't the one there. You were grafted in. Don't forget that. Don't become proud thinking you're more special than those branches that were broken off. Verse 19. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, But fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Paul wasn't a guy that was afraid to offend somebody. He didn't go around trying to offend people, except for his own people, that he might bring them to salvation, right? But that that wasn't the goal here. But what he's doing is he's keeping everybody uh, to be of a humble mindset. That they're not sitting there growing conceited in their own mind and growing to the point where now they're proud. And he's saying, wait a minute, you know, you may say in your mindset, well, God broke off branches to let me in. And he says, you know, uh, well, well said, you're, you're right, he did. Yes, but God, God's not done with them. He's provoking them to jealousy. He's correcting them right now. You're right, but God uh, makes sure through Paul to give them kind of a slice of humble pie to eat, right? You know, essentially uh, that, that's what they need to eat he says, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Realize, it's not because you were special. It's because God decided to to provoke them to jealousy. And he broke them off temporarily, and he can uh, graft them back in. We're going to look at that. But you're here by grace. You are of a whole different tree. You don't really belong here. But God brought you in, so now you do belong. So it's a mindset of having respect for Israel. For the church to sit here and say, well, we're the special ones now. You guys were cast off. That is so prideful and wicked. That should not be the mindset of anybody within the church. Guys, three full chapters in Romans 9, 10, 11, all about this. Right? We can't say this isn't like, you, you, as I said earlier, You know, you, where you have the one verse where someone may go back and forth. Well, it might be this. No, you'd have to say these whole three verses. That's where John Calvin got it wrong. He didn't understand that this was speaking of Israel. Not, the, not just the person. This is all about Israel. I was listening to Ken talk about this, and he's like, just totally misinterpreted all of this. And then what came of that? This Calvinism, that people are so prideful and saying, Well, I'm elect. I must be special. Now, Calvinism, man, that that'll that'll wear you out. It'll also make you very prideful. Did John Calvin have some things to say that line up with the scripture yes The arminians do they have something to say yes right that's why we say well what does the scripture say this and this i don't understand it but god says this and god says this so we're going to be right in the middle here and we're going to say well the bible says this but it also says this and that's how we're going to move along but there's a reminder to israel to remain uh, humble they have to be humble in this do not be haughty, he says, but fear. Remember who God is; that He is the one that does the pruning and the graft, the grafting. Right. So, all right, this tree, this this branch isn't you know producing anything. All it's doing is taking nutrient and everything. We're going to cast that off. We're going to keep it right here, though. <laughs> right? We're going to keep it close. Just We want it to see what could be done here, and it's going to long for the promises of God. It's going to long to be back, grafted back in, in in being in with God's will. Inside God's will again, I should say. Not because of your works or goodness, but because of His goodness and His grace, right? Romans 2, 4, it's His goodness that calls us to repentance. So there's a reminder here, don't grow pride, prideful and judge Israel. Pray for them. And for all other believers to come to Christ, that's the mindset of the Christian. It should be that 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 mindset of thankfulness to God and humility and coming to God and not saying well god you 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 caught something special with me you know i'm your I'm your trophy i'm your the, you know any anything uh, like that's foolish. We all know that verse twenty one God didn't spare Israel. he might not spare you uh either, so remember the goodness of God, right. We just talked about that. Thank him for his grace and his mercy. And we're not worthy of it either. Praise him that because of faith you've been justified, declared righteous in his sight. It's not of works, saved by God's amazing grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This should result in a mind full of in a heart full of thankfulness and humility, not of pride, that we would look and go, We're we're better. We're we're more special. You know, these guys, you know, God's cast them off. He's done with them forever. It's not the case at all. Therefore, verse 22, consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. So Paul is, is uh, in this, in his uh, instruction to the reader. He's saying, consider, think about. The goodness and severity of God. We all want to think about the goodness of God, right? We all want to think that God is, in, in which he is. He's a good, good father that we can trust in. He's, he loves us and, and he knows our, our needs and provides for all those things. But the severity of God, right? When, when you look at, you guys, uh, uh, there, there's a, a country song, and uh, God's love is so much better than the song, but Daddy's Hands, Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was gentle. Uh, when I was when I was crying, Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Right? Uh, God is so much greater of a father than any, any any earthly man. That was my my sister's wedding song, so it's it's in my head. But that 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 child speaking of, I knew that my father loved me, even though when I did something wrong, they loved me enough to he loved me enough to correct me. But when I needed comfort, just think of how much greater. Uh, of, of a father uh, God is to us than even us. I mean, I try to be the best dad I can to my kids, but I've got nothing on God. You know, I'm, I'm still a sinful man. But we should have that uh, just, just we need to think of the goodness of God and the severity. We have to understand his severity. We must, because that's what's being taught here. The goodness of God being extended to those who were willing to accept the message and the severity to those who would reject it. It's a lot more comforting to think of the the goodness. But two characteristics of God we really do need to consider. Severity on those who rejected and fell. Goodness toward those who accepted. But there's also a condition uh, on here. It says, if you continue, continue in his goodness... If you abide in Christ, abiding in Christ, right? John chapter 15. If you sat under Will Cass's teaching, you know uh, John 15, abide in Christ, would be the greatest uh, uh, um, encouragement that he would have for anybody's life. That's uh, For 20 years I heard him just saying, abide in Christ, abide in Christ, abide in Christ. So John chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, Jesus says, says Abide in me and I in you. If we abide in Christ, where it says, if you continue in his goodness. How do we continue in his goodness? Just walk with Christ. Just abide with him. And we're going to see fruit coming from our lives. We're going to see blessings coming into our lives. We're going to see, experience the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ. But if there's the rejection, just like Paul is saying, that branch that would be broken off and cast away, we don't want to experience those things. So Paul is making sure that they understand. Consider the goodness and severity of God. You know, if you continue in His, uh, you know, the severity for them that rejected, the goodness for you who've heard it and accepted. As long as you stay connected to the Lord, if we need that that lesson, that that message of of reconnecting with God this morning, hear His voice. Abide in Christ, verse twenty three, and they also, if they do not if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more, uh, though, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? You know, by God's wonderful grace, if they uh, don't continue in unbelief. Uh, and you know which is their current state. Uh, the branch that is removed can be draft, uh, grafted back again, and will be draft, uh, grafted back again. Will be. That's a, the words he uses here. Will be grafted in again. God is able to graft them in again. He made the 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 branch right. He made the root, and he can he can graft them right in. So Paul uses them being grafted in as example to drive home this point. Well, you were wild and grafted in, and you know, you're know you contrary to nature, and a cultivated tree didn't naturally fit, but grafted in by the Creator. Knowing that, how much more will the natural branches be grafted in uh, their own olive tree? They can be grafted right back in. God is not done with Israel. And he's just making sure that the reader understands the point. You have not replaced Israel. You have been grafted in by God's grace and His mercy and God is not done with Israel, and He's still working, right? He's still working. Verse 25, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. What mystery is He talking about? That blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So what mystery? Blindness in part. It's partial. It's not complete. It's temporary and not final. If you leave here today... With, with one thing that you're understanding, that Israel's blindness is temporary and it's not complete. Okay? this If we want to understand, it like, okay, what's Romans, Romans 11 all about? Israel's blindness is not, it, that it's temporary. It's not permanent and that it's not complete. It's not final. It's temporary. Because it even says, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Not permanent. Their eyes will be open at some point. In God's timing, He's just making sure they're not growing conceited. Understand this, right? Lest you be wise in your own opinion. All right, look at that in verse twenty-five. Lest you be wise in your own opinion. Pride easily happens to us. God makes sure that we we that's uh, strictly it's a straightforward. Uh, in his address uh, in his in his word God's working everything according to his plan uh, can't lose sight of his greatness or the wonder of our even our own salvation. Israel is blinded in part. it's not not uh, full and it's not permanent but only for a time there's a need to be mindful of this until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In God's timing according to his plan, everything will fall into place perfectly. So verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins, guys, getting the the feeling like Paul saying God's not done with Israel. Like is that? Yeah. Right. Israel will be saved. He's quoting Isaiah fifty nine. God is not done with Israel there'll be a time when their eyes are open that partial blindness and that temporary blindness will be gone and he'll graft them in again and Israel uh, is part of God's sovereign plan we don't know everything but God does and he's not done with them but uh, you know for uh, where it says uh, in here for this is my covenant with them when I will take away their sins when I will not if or I might take away their sins when I will take away their sins. Oh, sorry, when I take away their sins. doesn't say will in there. Concerning, verse 28, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of, of the fathers, so God's chosen people, God uh, is not done with them. He promised that He was going to continue to work in and through them. Uh, but uh, Israel still working contrary to God's will and His His love, they're experiencing this this partial and temporary uh, rejection of the Lord. But it says, "Beloved, for the sake of the fathers, concerning election, God's chosen people." Verse twenty nine: For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God doesn't give gifts and then take them back. You know, he, he's, uh, you know his calling is also irrevocable. David Guzik says God uh, will not give up on us and he leaves us the path open to uh, restoration. I'll read that again. God will not give up on us and he leaves the path open to restoration. Same for Israel. God's not done with Israel and he leaves the path open for them because of his promise to them. His gifts and callings are irrevocable. Verse 30 for as you were once disobedient to God, yet now yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you they may obtain mercy. Mercy, so God's poetic way of saving Israel, his chosen people, they were uh, disobedient and uh, uh those that were disobedient uh, obtained mercy because uh, of of uh, their own disobedience. so those that weren't seeking God found God because Israel's disobedience, right this is back to that provoking them to jealousy uh point that he made for as you were once disobedient to God yet have now obtained mercy. Through their disobedience. So Paul is making sure the reader understands. The reason you're now obedient to God and you've obtained mercy is because God is provoking them to jealousy. Not because you're great and special. Yes, you're very precious in God's eyes, but don't get haughty and and, and conceited in your mindset and prideful, thinking, well, you know, you've replaced them and, and the, the God uh, God has nothing to do with them. But it says in verse 31, even so. These also have been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. So the other side of the coin, right? God, They're going to see the mercy of God in your life, and it's going to bring them to God. That's what he's saying. Through their disobedience, you have obtained mercy. Mercy doesn't stop with you. It's still available to them. They will see mercy that you've been shown and uh, understand at some point that they can obtain the same. Because it was, it's backwards, right? Israel was, was God's chosen people. They rejected him. And, and, and what Paul is saying is that yet now because of, of their rejection and, and them being uh, removed and being waiting, they, they are waiting to be grafted back in. But because of their disobedience, you've experienced and you've obtained the mercy of God. And God will also reverse that also so that they can, uh, they can experience God's mercy again. Guys, if you, if you haven't done so, read through uh, the Old Testament prophets. And as you're reading through, you're going to see God's so the severity of God and you're also going to see the, the the mercy and tenderness of God. You'll read through. You can read it in one chapter and you can see it just going back and forth, right? It's not that God's bipolar and doesn't know what he's talking about. But God is saying, you can have this in your life or you can have this in your life. And what Paul is saying there is because of their disobedience, you have obtained mercy. But Israel needs to understand that God is not done with them. Verse 32, for God has committed them all to disobedience that, they might, that he might have mercy on all. They wanted to be disobedient, so God allowed them to continue in that direction. You know That his plan of redemption for the Gentiles might be revealed. We have to understand God's heart. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the second half of it says, "You know, God is uh, long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, speaking of the Old Testament prophets, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. L- listen to this This yearning. Turn from. Turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God pleading with them, turn, turn. He's not saying I just have to say this so it looks good you know he's he's pleading with them, turn, turn right you say something to somebody twice, heartfelt, I love you, I love you right there's there's that turn turn that that urgency in God's voice like I don't I don't want you to experience my wrath and my judgment. I don't want those things. I want you to experience my blessings. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die? Micah 7 verse 18 says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Anytime somebody tells you God's a God of anger, that he's an angry God waiting with lightning bolts to take everybody out, you can take them. Okay, so where did you read that? And you can take them all through the Old Testament of God pleading with them. Yes, God has rules, just like our parents had rules, right? And any of us that are parents in here, you have rules within your house. You break this rule, you're going to get your butt spanked or whatever you know happens, right? You're going to you're going to face consequences. But when you consider this is this is a God that delights in mercy. That's the God we serve, the God that delights in mercy. He doesn't delight, he he doesn't have, uh, as we read in Ezekiel, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He delights in mercy. And as we read before, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of the God that we serve. The heart of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Let's wrap this up. Verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who has known the mind of the lord or who has become his counselor who who has first given to him and it shall be repaid him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen amen to that right paul's emotions here it seems like they're 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 they've Emotions full of you know, great appreciation and how awesome God is. And it just boils over right here. And he's talking about the depth of the riches, uh, both of wisdom and knowledge of God, his judgments and his ways. They're unsearchable past finding out. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God isn't some earthly judge that's, cor- and I'm not saying all de- earthly judges are corrupt. He's not, he's not like a corrupt judge. You know, when, when you consider his judgments and his ways, unsearchable past finding out. He's the perfect judge. In verse 34, it says, uh, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor. is quoting Isaiah 40 and Jeremiah 23. Verse 35, it says, or who has given to him, and it shall be repaid him, quoting Job chapter 41. He knows, owes nobody anything. God, God doesn't owe us anything. If we come to the mindset like, no, God owes me an explanation. He owns me, He owes me you know, this, this, and you know, God owes us absolutely nothing. We can just go to Him and say, Lord, please help me in your grace and your mercy. You know, we're indebted to Him. Verse 36 says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory uh, forever. Amen. He's the only one worthy of that glory. So God is not done with Israel. So if anybody has ever shared that, or, or we've you know, uh, wrongfully thought, well, uh, he must be done with Israel. All they, uh, they've done is rejected him, and they're, they're not accepting Jesus Christ. He's not done with them. Remember these things, okay? Their blindness is partial and temporary until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's what it says there. It's partial and temporary. The rejection is not total. Jew and Gentile can still come to Christ. And rejection is not final. He still has a plan for Israel. So if we leave here today, I want you to just remember that. Their blindness is in part, and it's temporary. Uh, Their rejection is not total, and it's not final. If you leave here with that in your mind, uh, then amen. That we have a proper understanding of of what Scripture says about God's plan for Israel. Verse When we get into chapter 12, is okay, now what do we do? Now as Christians, how do we live as Christians? He he shifts gears a little bit uh, when we get to chapter 12, and we'll pick up with that next week. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that, Lord, you are long-suffering. Lord, that you still have a plan for your people. Lord, that you grafted us in. People that were not part of uh, that covenant, but you've grafted us into it, into Jesus Christ. Because of our faith in Christ, you have grafted us in. Lord, we pray for those that have rejected, that they would come back. Pray for Israel to wake up and turn to you. Lord, we thank you that we can see your mercy and your grace all through this. God of mercy, you delight in mercy. Just to remember that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a wonderful rest of your day.